services. She can show you another way. Tune in weekday to your radio, and she'll have you feel like. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Walking Through Glass, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. D.S.C. Brown, founder of the Lead Her Shift Movement, international best-selling author, speaker, and executive coach, affectionately known to my clients as The Catalyst because I make shift happen. My purpose in life is to inspire, empower, and transform lives. I wake each morning with the mission to help you lead with confidence, speak with influence, and connect strategically by getting out of your own head so you can lead. And by lead, I mean learn, experience, apply, and develop. Walking Through Glass, the podcast, is not about breaking through the glass ceiling. It is all about the struggle we face on our journey walking through the glass, the fear, anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome, limited beliefs, negative self-talk, and other BS, you know, belief systems that get in the way of us living the life that we dream and desire. It is time to make the shift to clarity, confidence, and consistency. And today, you have the distinctive pleasure of making the shift with me and my special guest, Miss Nicole Ooh, it says Trick Steinbach. Ooh, let's get to it. Mmm, I was ending that. I was kind of getting to my vibe. I was like, okay, remember, the music is getting in the way of introducing Nicole. <laughs> but, God, I got to tell you, Nicole, she's pretty amazing. We had like a whole hour conversation before the show we even started. And we were like already best friends in the, like the last 24 hours. Just from pure connection. And it when you think about what Nicole really does, is that she's a global career coach and change management consultant. She's known for inspiring change through deep connections, brave insights, and radical responsibility. My goodness, you know, she worked in over 25 countries and lived in Europe for over 13 years before the mountains of Colorado called her name. Nicole. All right. So she does some really cool stuff on bravery. And I'm just going to let Nicole kind of give you a little bit more insight about her because the more like I, I fall like more madly. She's now like my new podcast girl crush when I'm looking at all of the things that she's done and some of the parallels that we've had in our life. But I know Nicole's like, I want to talk to the people. Let me talk to the people. And so I'm like, Hey, Nicole, talk to the people. (laughs) I don't know. You can continue to describe me because it's awesome when you do it. (laughs) No, Um, no, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, we have a lot in common. Um, So the Germany connection, 
the moving mm-hmm. around connection. Yeah. Yep. The gentleman connection. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, so I, uh, did live in Germany for 13 years. Now I lived in the Heidelberg area and I'm wondering okay. where you were. I, w- I lived in Wiesbaden and Bamberg. Oh, okay. But yeah. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I had great friends in Heidelberg who lived right down in the Mark Plots and had mm-hmm. one of the city apartments. So we used to go, um, Kim, if you're listening, we used to go spend time in her place. So I love Heidelberg Castle and I love just spending time. I mean, it's just such a beautiful place um, to experience all of Germany, actually. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I lived in Wiesbaden for a very short period of time. I was doing a, a gig up there that was so intensive that I took an apartment for a few months. So it was pretty cool. Ooh, that's right. Yeah. So what I do is I help people build the skill of bravery. So that's my first um, introduction into the conversation is that bravery is a skill. It's not necessarily a personality trait. Yeah. So build the skill of bravery so that they can build the career of their biggest dreams and in building a career, of course, our lives are part of our career. And hopefully we get to the point where we all acknowledge our careers are part of our lives. But usually when people start working with me, it's the opposite and we grow. We grow mm-hmm. through that. And in change management, um, my magic is really when the poo-poo has hit the fan and it is splattering everywhere. Um So I do, sometimes they call it strategic change management. Um, I like to call it the behaviorist change management. Yeah. So it's really, you know, what do we expect? What are we willing to give? What can we take? Who are we? What do we believe? And moving forward through that. So that is what I do. And I do work globally. Um, I left the United States right after I graduated from college and I only came back when I was married and had two kids and the whole nine yards. And, um, I'm definitely still globally focused and I just love the experience of still getting, getting to dive into other people's cultural experiences and how that shifts their mindsets. Yeah. So that's what I do. I mean, that's amazing. Like I said, even like the global piece and the international life. I lived continuously overseas for 16 years. Mm -hmm. And I just, I left in 2000. I came back in 2016 and I still have what I call, I went through a transitional depression, actually talking about walking through glass is that so different here than spending 16 years being a global citizen. Mm-hmm. Now I, I traveled back and forth to visit. I actually kept a house in Atlanta. So, and literally I just got on a plane with my passport because <laughs> I kept all complete everything and I would travel back and forth, but it was nothing. My home was overseas and I would visit the United States the way that it was framed in my mind. Um, but the unique interactions with people, the ability to connect very differently. And when I came back here, people were like, Oh, you probably, you seem so different. I said, well, that comes from having an international global perspective yes, about people and relationships and stuff. And like my job took me over there working for the department of defense and being an educator and later a school administrator. And yes, they let me run school, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I would have the funniest story is that I would challenge the kids. I used to have like a hula hoop competition when I had elementary and okay. I didn't let them work there. They didn't know they had to earn it. I was not going to let those kids, they're not getting a trophy if they didn't win. So we would challenge, I challenge them to the hula hoop, you know, things like that jump roping competition. 
And people come visit my school and they're like, okay, we're looking for Dr. Brown, the principal. And they're looking for me. And I'm like, oh, that's me. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's you. Because to me, relationship was important. And it wasn't any sort of, you know, having heirs. It was the relationship. And I can get the kids and the families to do really whatever. Why? Because they knew I cared. So I love what you do. Yeah. The, the caring connection is is just... It's just huge, huge. And the global mindset, I I wonder how this is for you now. So um, when I came back, it was because my son was really struggling with the elementary system in Germany. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with it. It's a question of fit. And so we decided we would do something drastic. And quite frankly, it seemed like the U.S. was getting itself together. So we moved back in May of 2016. (gasps) <gasps> same time. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So expectations, right? So yeah. there was definitely like that piece of, um, I had an accent. So I have a, I grew up with a speech impediment and I did a lot of training and therapy and it was all within my school. Cause at the time in Southern Ohio, there were services like that available, even for kids from, you know, poverty neighborhoods, the neighborhoods, everyone says that you shouldn't drive through. Um, and so when I spend time with people, I have to warn them I am not making fun of you, but at some point I'm looking at your lips and I'm hearing what you're saying. And I start to just naturally copy you because that's how I learned how to speak. And so when I came back, people would say, oh, your English is so great. And I'm like, "Mm, yeah, but at the same time, I was happy. I had a bit of an accent because I didn't know how to buy a cell phone. I had no idea. I didn't understand checks. Who uses checks? And and so it was it was really and I knew that we were doing we were taking a big risk to do the right thing. And we're in an incredibly privileged position. I mean, we still have our house. My husband's entire family lives there. So it's it's not like we closed a door. Right. Um, right. We just got onto the country road for a little while. And yet I really struggled to find connection, to find like actual lasting joy, that that joy that's down in your spine, not the joy mm-hmm. that's in your head, you know? Mm-hmm. And it probably, t- yeah, it took me, I mean, I think it was delayed by the 2016 election results for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was definitely delayed. Although I did meet, one thing that I have to say, because I try really hard to find not a silver lining. I don't like that because you can wipe off a silver lining, like a grain of inspiration, a grain of connection, is that I can show up to basically any meeting now. And I know that I have in between 20 and 20,000 people that I agree with morally. And now we just need to find out if we're on the same wavelength. You know what I mean? But it took a long time. I would say probably about two years. Two years was a bit of a funk. A lot more therapy than I anticipated. A lot more challenge and crying than I anticipated. No, no, it's true. No, you're right. How was it for you? Well, about to say, like I said, you're kind of spooking me out. Because did you see that movie, Single White Female? I'm kind of hush. (laughs) Because you know I'm a white female, right? Not the single part, but 
That's a really creepy white lady. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's the same. No, I'm, I would say that I went through a honeymoon period when I first came back, but I also did a whole career change and shift. I left K-12. And so now as a corporate consultant, a corporate trainer and a leadership strategist, you know, with organizations, to me, it's the same, but it's different. So when you're leading K-12 schools and if you're not in education, you don't understand all the dynamics that go with it. And so my role, if you had to marry it and mirror it to say a corporate role, it would be like a COO between, you know, whether it's your CEO, it's like a COO or CAO position mm-hmm. because you're doing everything operations, you're doing everything training, you're doing everything, you know, it's, it's like that. But if you don't understand the org or the organization of how K2, K-12 work, it doesn't necessarily make sense to you. So for me, it was a little bit difficult to come back and go, who am I in this space? I knew what my skill sets were. And initially when I, I mean, my bachelor's degrees in economics, I was a financial and international business major. So I decided I wanted to graduate in this millennium. And so I economics and I got out of school and I thought I was going to do corporate law. So my, all my early years, I thought I'm going to go into corporate space, but then I was, I was drawn to educational systems because I didn't like the way it was being taught. I had the unique honor and pleasure to go through international baccalaureate programs and specialized programs where learning was different for us. And I thought my friends would like school if they just got to learn like we did. We went to hands-on. So we went to the Getty to study artwork. We didn't study it in a book. You know, yeah. we went to the beach and down to the river to look at rocks and ecosystems as opposed to studying in a book and watching a film. And I thought, why can't everybody do that? Yeah. You know, my friends would probably like school, you know, if they got to learn like, you know, I did. So just different programs that I worked with in education. I said, I'm going to be a corporate lawyer. I'm going to work, you know, three to five months out of the year and golf and sail the rest of the year. <laughs> But I'm going to create like these scholarships to help kids go to school and do things that they want to school. And so then one day I had an epiphany and, and it's really, it may sound corny, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks is that why don't you be the change you wish for? Not that I saw in the world, be the change I wished for. And so when I went to grad school at Old Dominion, I switched my major instead of doing the JD and MBA program, I switched to education. And so I had a business mind and background that then shifted into education that then transitioned back to business. Oh, that is fascinating. And, and so I had a really great mentor. He said, Dina, companies don't know what to do with you a lot of times because you are so, and this is not an ego thing because you're so wicked smart, but the way you process information on these different levels it's like crazy. Like, okay, how does she do that? And, and I said, because I actually am a rich mosaic of these different worlds and I bring the best of them. And so when I came back, I, I, who was Dr. Brown here outside of a school system, you know? Yeah. And, and okay. How does my, I knew I, Oh, go back and be another principal again. No, I don't want to do that. I had some trauma in leaving my last uh, position. And I didn't want to, and I wanted to get as far away 
from that life as I could. I mean, I'm saying that I knew that was a subconscious thing, but it was manifesting on the conscious level. And I came back the same with you. Like I have a son. That's why I said, Oh my God, this is spooky. My son was starting high school and I wanted him to come here and be in high school and to be in one space. And so I committed to staying here for four years at bare minimum to give him stability. But at the same time, you have to understand, I also went through divorce. And oh my so gosh, you were, wait, 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 you were moving you were me moving an entire, I mean, people are like, oh, you moved culture cultures or you move countries. I'm like, no, I went from a global to a belly button mindset. Mm-hmm. Like only what happens right here and only in my mindset and only in my things. And your son was entering high school, which I do not yet have. My kids are younger, but I understand it's like a huge parenting shift. Yeah. And you were changing your career and you were getting divorced. Yes. Oh, girl. <laughs> So I said transitional depression, right? And so wow. for a while, I was like, okay, I know I'm a speaker and I'm a trainer. I've been, I've been, my staff used to love my professional development. Like people wanted to come and I did professional development for the district. I did it outside, you know, so I knew how to do professional development and I was, it was engaging. And, you know, even though I'm a little shy, we tended to laugh a lot and talk about serious stuff. <laughs> You know, shocking, shocking, right? <laughs> and so we would have these kind of things like, "Oh my god, it was so good!" And so I knew I could do that. And when I first came, I was still off that high because I was getting these jobs, you know. And but I didn't. I was always the hunted. I never had to hunt. I was the people always came because they wanted me. I was always the one picked first on the team. And so after those initial contacts, and I'm like, okay, so now what? Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. What the hell is that? You know? Yes. And like them government checks are stopping. And so, (laughs) so, so, and then finding, like you said, now I'm from California. I came back home, but I hadn't lived here in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So my family was here. So what it was for me is the ultimate mother sacrifice. And I know that you get that there's nothing that I wouldn't do. So my son actually for the first time got to be with his family oh, and, if, oh. and, and it was like, okay, so here I was, you know, silently dying and miserable inside, but smiling because my greatest treasure, the greatest thing I ever created was happy. And so he, again, like I said, he's a world traveler. We spent his 13th birthday his celebration was in Dubai. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he was happy in an overcrowded classroom. Well, kind of article in Irvine. You know what I mean? Like he's like, but oh my gosh, I, I, this, I'll take this, you know? And so I said, okay, well, let me suck it up. So I didn't, you know, I, even though I'm probably, I'm gregarious, I laugh a lot. I am, I'm an ambivert. I'm heavily introverted. So this is, I'm in a real great season right now. I don't have to talk to you or go out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And I am as well. Although I tend, so I definitely get my energy from without. So in that yeah. way, I, I am an extrovert. And that's also why I am super careful about who I spend time with and what? who I engage with in the media and the books and the movies and everything. But right now I am not getting my introvert time because my family is always here. Ooh. They're always here. I can hear them right now. <laughs> I'm like, I've worked from home for almost six years. Y'all need to leave. When this lifts, where are we going? Oh my God. Wherever it's going, it's like, whew. 
So, mm-hmm. so it, it was, it was all of that. And so I, I understand where, again, I had my friends, I kind of grew up with who we were not in the same space anymore, mm-hmm. you know, but I do have my one um, friend who, I mean, we've been friends since we were 12 and she and I, but even so I was here for like a year or two and I still didn't see people that kept saying when I was gone, Oh, I want to see you because they got so used to me being gone that they didn't make an effort to even see me when I was here. And so I was like, I was in that same space. Like it took me about, like you said, two years to about 2018. But then again, I was going through this whole other life space and change and, and, and income shift. And then it was like, now what, what do I do? My life is just whatever. I got to do something. And, um, so I was like, okay, get, get it together, girl. Um, but in 2017, I founded the lead her shift movement because I was always talking about shift. And so one of my, um, I used to go on radio shows and do media a lot. And they'd say, you're always talking about shift. I said, yeah, because as women, we need to shift the way we think and women leaders. And hence I came up with lead her shift. And how do we, what do we do? Cause I was always good. Dina, how are you doing this? I was like, "Oh, Oh girl, this is how you do it. I didn't think it was a thing. I just thought it's what you did. And so when I got more questions about the how, I realized that, wait a minute, we know what to do, but we don't often know how to do it. And so so that's become my life's work is what I call diva hacks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I loved, I I saw, I don't remember if it was on those little videos on your Facebook page or if it was in one of the podcasts, but it was like, they called me a diva and I thought that that wasn't a great thing. And then I was like, wait, Oh, yeah, you know, because when I hear diva, I'm thinking share, I'm thinking, you know, um, I'm forgetting all their names right now. Beyonce, yeah. I'm thinking well, Streisand, you know, yeah. people would say, oh, you're such a diva. And I was like, okay, what do you mean by that? And so in the beginning, it would actually kind of make me shrink a little because I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm probably the coolest person that I know. You know what I mean? Like, I love hanging out with me. And so. I then rescripted it and said, I define you. And so Diva stands for dynamic, intentional, victoriously aware woman with a purpose. Oh yeah, that's me. Love it. Love <laughs> and it. so I just, I committed that. And when I decided, like you talk about bravery and teaching people how to be brave, there's nothing braver than walking in your truth, whatever that looks like. Yes. You know, and so yes. I know you work a lot with bravery. Why is it so important to teach people about how to be brave or why bravery is so important? So um, why So why is it so important? Because if we're not brave, we're not going to change this world. And this world needs to change, full stop. I mean, we mm. see this now with the pandemic, right? Where yeah. Why are we here? Because we didn't listen to the people who actually knew it was happening. Yeah, we didn't take science seriously. We didn't listen to our, the hearts and the intuition and the feminine power that we have in the world. We just didn't. And I don't mean the woman power. I mean the feminine, right? So yeah, there absolutely. can also be very masculine, et cetera, power people of all genders, right? Right. And so right. for me, the way that I actually came to bravery was ironically over my husband. This is this is hilarious. I called it a bunch of different things because I worked inside of a tech company when I started to act as a coach and then become a coach. Um, 
And so there were all these different ways that I helped people grasp change or drive their own change or become a better leader or whatever the case may be, right? And then I wanted to speak at the Grace Hopper Celebration, which is the world's largest gathering of women in technology. It's like 90% women in technology and 10% male. Yeah. (laughs) There's like 25,000 women who are there. And the energy, the disco night, it cannot be missed. It's the best disco because no one's going to touch you. It's fantastic. I'm just going to put that out there. Anyways, um, and so I was, I was drafting my proposal and I knew what I wanted to focus on. I knew how I wanted to talk about it, but I didn't have that hook, right? Like, this is why you should care. And I know that change management is so frequently misunderstood as one piece of change management, right? And so I'm sitting in my office and my husband happens to be sitting in here as well. And I'm like, ah, racking my brain, racking my brain, because we're told what to do. We're told to speak up. We're told to negotiate. We're told to ask for bigger roles. We're told to die. We're told to die. But nobody tells us how. And I know that even in Europe and even in the most powerful female position possible, I'm a native English speaker, I am white, I am married to a man, and I have the education that they're looking for, I do not have a disability, et cetera, et cetera. When I negotiated, I was told I was being mean. (gasps) Oh, Uh-huh. When I was straight... I would like straight. I was like, the deliverable date is this and this needs to happen. And I was about 10 years younger than everyone else on my team. And they were all men. One of the gentlemen loosely used went to my boss and told him I was uncollegial. And I was like, I don't know that word. My German was great, but I didn't know that word. And it turns out that it means not a team player, like an uncolleague. And I was shocked. And it took weeks. And none of us thought like, hey, why don't we make that person have a conversation with Nicole? And in all, honestly, I didn't think about that either. And finally, you know, I said to my coach, please help me understand this because I played high level volleyball. I played softball. You know, I, I've always been in team environments mostly. And, you know, how can I, this matters to me. And I would bring a situation and he, or he would bring a situation and I would explain my perspective and he'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. And then we would do that again. We would do that again. And finally, he came up with a, uh, on the fly, right? He came up with a synonym, which was masculine, masculine. And I gasped and his eyes went, I mean, his, his eyebrows were gone. (laughs) This man was bald and that's how shocked he was at his own language. And we realized what had happened. So we tell people, we tell women. We tell women, you know, also lesbians or bi women, we tell black women, we tell African women, we tell African American, Asian, American, Asian, whatever, right? We tell them all Latinx, negotiate, say no, set boundaries, um, whatever the case may be, hold people accountable, but we don't tell them how, right? So I, right. I was that passionate talking to my husband and he was like, that sounds like bravery. I was like, oh, oh that so is good. it. That is it. And so that's how I started talking about bravery. Um, At the beginning, I anticipated a room of like maybe 100 people, maybe. Um, It ended up being in a room of 500 because I got so many requests to be in the session. And 
it was standing room only. The entire back of the room was packed. And this is where I get, um, oh, it just touches me so deeply. After I spoke, and I had a 16-year-old stand up and give a, an example of bravery, right? And she was speaking wow. in English. She's a German native speaker, 16 years old, didn't want to be on a stage, but knows her goals require that. I had two hours, two hours of women who taught, who stood in line to talk to me until I said, you matter to me, each and every one of you. We will have this conversation. I am emotionally depleted. And this is what emotionally depleted me. There were all kinds of stories, right? All kinds of stories. But the one was a stereotypical, beautiful young woman. She was, you know, all the things Baywatch. She was Baywatch. Okay. Like she was beautiful, stereotypical, long hair, perfect skin, very fit. Um, And I'm going to change the schools around a little bit, but it is this level of caliber. Her undergraduate was from Stanford, a level Mm. of Stanford. Her master's was from Harvard in technology. This is all in technology. And then she was getting her PhD at a Yale or a Princeton, like that level, a Cambridge level, right? And she, her single question to me before I knew all of this was, how how do I, how do I know I I deserve to be there, but I'm good enough? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm. And that lit a fire under my ass, like no fire under my ass has been lit. I was like, nope, this is it. This, I know this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And, um, and at that time I had already decided to leave my corporate role and go into an entrepreneurial situation again for family purposes, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a severance round. Let me let me be honest. I like money. I like money a lot. Money does mm-hmm. wonderful things mm-hmm. and makes wonderful things possible. So there was a severance package, and I held up my hand and I was like, "Look, if I can it. be applicable, <laughs> I'd like to talk about this." Mm-hmm. Um, and and standing on that stage. Actually, I was sitting, I was half sitting, half standing against the stage when she told me her story after all those other stories. And I was like, nope, this, this, I'm going to figure, I'm going to figure this out. And um, like how I want to talk about it. And I'm not going to figure out bravery. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to talk about it. Wow. And so I went back to five years of clients at, within that technical company, five or 15, 20 years of friends and colleagues and professors and mentors and sponsors and all these people and really played and played and played and played. And um, a coach who kept saying, people tell you you're playing too big, but girl, you're playing small step mm-hmm. up. And so that's how I got to bravery. Um, it is a it is a skill. Um, it is not something that a person is born with or not born with. And crucially, often, particularly when speaking to men or to women in male-dominated industries, they're like, I don't need to throw myself on a bomb. That's not bravery. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those small moments when you know if I negotiate, this person is gonna say, You're mean. And you negotiate with grace and confidence anyways. Wow. Oh, my God. I'm so moved, like, in so many, like, directions. And it's so powerful 
because those untold stories is exactly why I'm here, is exactly why I launched the podcast. And we got so caught up. I'm like, okay. I begin to ask the guests, what does it mean to walk through the glass? What does that look like for you? What does that, how does that speak to you? And when I started to ask that question, I've been getting these amazing responses that are all correct. Yes. Because there's a symmetry in it, but they're not identical. And just hearing, you know, what it is to be brave and and to stand there and deal with that imposter. So um I guess it's so much what you, you said. <laughs> oh, you're my people. Can I tell you like you're my people? So my next book, because Walking Through Glass is a guidebook, right? And so the next book I'm writing is called Shut Up Heffa. <laughs> I heard you say, and I laughed so hard. I for, I didn't hear like the next 20 seconds of your recording because so, <laughs> so I give, I encourage my clients to give her a name or him a name. Yes. Right? And you like, think of someone who annoys the shit out of you. Yes. Right. And then don't invite her for dinner. Don't invite her for tea. Don't invite her for coffee. She doesn't get any wine. Be like, it's nice that you're here. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to listen to your opinion when I'm ready to listen to your opinion. See you later. And today's not your turn. And so like I actually speak out loud, out loud to Heffa. And so when I started, my clients were laughing. I said to the point where when people see me doing it, who around me, they're not surprised. (laughs) they're not surprised i said because if you're battling inside your head she's gonna win he's gonna win your amygdala your brain works it knows all your secrets your dirty laundry it knows the thing that you lied about the things that you've been hiding it knows everything and it's gonna come at you a hundred percent but if you make the unconscious conscious and use that frontal cortex and bring it up front and you bring it out then you could actually deal in the now But when you're in your head fighting is when a lot of times the depression takes hold, the anxiety takes hold. And the Mayo Clinic actually even gives you that, that five finger or the, it's like a five finger trick to kind of squelch your anxiety. And it's all about bringing yourself to the conscious now. And so I tell, I had to talk to Heffa. And so I was sitting here and I, and I had a conversation with Heffa recently, um, a couple, quite a bit because I'm doing things that although I'm clear, I'm confident, and I'm, I, I feel excited about what's coming, it doesn't mean that she tries to remind me of why it's not possible. And so I'm like, okay, Hafa, I heard you, but I'm going to raise you because God said provision meets me where I step, not where I stand. Gotcha. Heard you. Doing it anyway. Oh, you're going to lose all your money. Oh, well, that's why it's called currency. Currency flows. It'll flow back to me. And I just started saying these things and moving. And I said, you know, when I talked about being equipped and I said, okay, God, you said, this is where I'm going and I'm trusting and I'm believing. And I said, but in this right now moment, I need you to show me something. I don't know if you've been there, but I'm like, I'm like, God, I just need you to show me a right now moment to help me right now. Cause I'm struggling. And then boom, he put something or someone in my path. And I'm like, thank you. Okay. Now I know that I'm still staying the course because I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be a greater value. I'm getting ready to add to the collective whole. And so, yes, I again, I like money too. God made me to be rich. I don't want to have the fishing boat on the lake. I want to have the yacht in the French Riviera. Okay. There we go. (laughs) 
Okay. I'm just saying that's, that's the way that my dreams are set up. And I tell my son all the time, I said, okay, mommy's going to be a billionaire. Do you want to be a billionaire too? Or do you want to be a billionaire's bodyguard? Make the decision and act accordingly. I said, cause that means you're going to have to do some work <laughs> to get there. So I, I get that part. I'm not here to live an impoverished life, but I know that by serving and really creating a legacy of significance, that's where the wealth actually lies. And that is sustainable. And so I get, like I said, I was like, yes, honey, everything that you were saying. And and so when we get to that, that why, why are we in this place? Why are we creating um, these systems? And why am I so passionate about other women? It's because I keep telling them I've been there. I've been there. And I didn't realize that people didn't realize that I wasn't made of stone until I started sharing my story. And I was like, what? You thought, and they did, and I, and then they would never say anything. Well, you always appear to have this and such confidence and you do this. I said, okay, but it doesn't mean that I don't have things happen. Yeah. But they never talked about them. And I'm a very private person. So I get brave. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, ask and what, you know, for example, for me, I don't want to be a billionaire. I, that's not my goal. And I, I don't want to be on the Riviera, but you know what? That doesn't freaking matter. Cause that's your brave right. and that's your life. And I am here to lift you up and you're here to lift me up. Right. And that's what we need to be doing. And, and sometimes, cause I am very similar. People will hear my story cause I'm very open about my story about, you know, depression and eating. I had disordered eating, which would have been called anorexia back in our in our teenage years and now it has a different label. <laughs> so I respect that and I honor that. Um, and people are like, "Ugh, she's trapped at home for, I think at this point in time, I had been trapped at home for a week. She can, she's so tough. She's so strong. She's fine. Right. And I picked up the phone and I called um, a fro league, like a friend who was also a colleague. And now she's just going to be my friend because we don't work at the same place anymore. No more patients. <laughs> and, um, and I was telling her and she's like, Oh, Nicole, I would have never imagined I'm going to put you on my list of people to check in with. And a, isn't that, so that's the kind of people in my life. They make lists of people to check in with and then do it. It's awesome. And secondly, I had just issued a live video that was like, I am losing my goddamn mind. But, but that strength, that, that quote unquote strength and weakness, the strength in integrity, the strength in vulnerability, the strength in all of these things, sometimes people get confused that we don't still have to practice being a diva, practice being brave, practice giving ourselves grace, practice asking. Yes. I still have to practice that. I still have to practice abundance. Two days ago, I was full in scarcity. I'm like, this is never ending. I'm going to be stuck in this house. There's going to be no more wine. Ah, right? <laughs> right? That's cool. I'm going to be there too. And so are you. And so is everybody else. And we just have to. I'm thinking now of my girlfriend, who's one of the bravest people I know. And on the outside, people sometimes think, how are you guys friends? Um, because I am, she would she, like this conversation. This is something that she would have with maybe three or four people. And I'm like, oh, you're open. Here's my, you know, like, let's connect. 
Yeah. Um, I fly everywhere. She will not get onto a plane. That is not happening. Um, I'm more than happy to move all the time. She's like, nope, I got my structure and we're good. Right. She's one of the bravest people I know because I have no issue walking into a crowded room. I have no issue talking about how I screwed up and, and all those things and how things happened to me and what I did with them that were good or were not good. I'm just like, whatever, that's me, right? That That is naturally who I am. And then I have built on onto it and learned to create boundaries and learn to keep certain people out and things like that. But she will also step into those rooms. She will also get on stage. She will also share her story to inspire other people. And she despises it. It scares the shit out of her. Wow. And she still does it. That's the bravery I'm talking about. Mm. The bravery of doing what you need to do and how you need to do it to get to where you are going to that, what, to that, why? No, you're right. No, you're a hundred percent. I mean, like, yeah, like I, I see no lies here. I mean, it's, it's so, it's, it's such a space. And I was sharing, like I said, when I begin to share pieces of my story and um, even the anthology I just published um, testimony, and um, the journey of me on the road to um, I am and working with those authors to publish um, their stories. I didn't intend to initially put my own story in it or a segment okay. there. Oh, that is interesting. Why? I, I wanted the book to be about that. You know, I was the curator. I did, you know, a little piece of it, but I said, you know, I'll let it focus on them because walking through glass is really my part, you know, Walking through glass is the solo piece for me, and testimony. I had I sat on it for two years. The idea, the cover, everything. I had it all laid out, but I didn't know the stories that were going to go in it. At first, I thought they were all my stories, but I said, you know what? Okay, I am going to write something. And so when I wrote unmasking, I am. It was beginning. Number one, I couldn't sleep for the po- the intro piece to that. Um, back in the story up is that I couldn't sleep for days. And I just, I was tossing to her. I couldn't sleep. I felt like I was pregnant with a purpose that I couldn't figure it out. And so I just kept getting hit in my head, go, just go right. But I was like, oh, I got to go do this, do that. It was like, right. I couldn't sleep. So finally one night I was just in such a spiritual turmoil. I got up, I grabbed a notebook and I set up and then I wrote the poem. I, and it was actually a conversation um, between me and God and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to grab it because it just, it seems so right to include it like right now, if I can find it. So yeah, I did just get up to go get it because I hadn't planned on it, but I thought when I, when I wrote this and this introduction to the book, which is what I planned to do, and I'll just read a segment of the I am piece that was there. And so it says this poem captures the essence of my prayers and pleas of the journey of me on the road to I am. And the title of this called I am. So running, hiding, ducking and diving, working to escape the shining, battered by the slips and falls, still processing the root of it all, hurting and confused with more and more discouraging news, crying out in dismay, praying for the dawn of a brighter new day, asking myself and those who beckon near to help me make sense of the road so unclear, feeling the pull and the tug of the rug pulled from under my feet, am I destined to live a life of defeat? 
And the response, of course, is by God saying to me, my child, listen here in those two finely tuned ears to the words that I say to help you on your way to discovering the who and the how you need to nourish the seed planted in thee. You were crafted with the utmost care from the toes on your feet to your kinky coiled hair. I made you unique with a purpose so deep that it has to steep and brew in the heat. It is the fire of cause that brings you pause. It helps your calling take root. Therefore, no man can dilute what you are called to do. When you hear the naysayer's voice, you have a choice to trust in me or believe what you see. My daughter, I have purposed you. Trust me. And so that's one segment. And it kind of goes on for a couple of other stanzas (laughs) of it. But it was this internal dialogue that we often have that really speaks to our external truth of what we say and don't say. And so that's the beginning of the book, Testimony, The Journey of Me on the Road to I Am. And yes, people, you can order your autograph, sign copy. I will put the link in the notes. Um, and you should. And you really should. It's a great, and, and the other a stories, even how it came about. And like I said, there's so much other, like I said, richness um, to that. And and you can, and I can go in, and I kept saying one day, I will tell the story of how this, how all of it came to be in one spot instead of in the different segments. But when you were sharing the stories and the unique attributes of these women that um, high performance, they appear to have it all, but yet they lack the knowledge that they do. That's the part. And it's not that they, it's elusive. And I always wonder why, why do we tell ourselves those stories of, of I'm not enough? Or we question that. So it's a really, really valid question. And I cannot, I cannot speak for all. Um, I have noticed that with the people in my life, whether they're my friends or my mentors, my clients, my colleagues, as the case may be, often it's because we've been told we're too much. Ooh, ding, 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 ding. Wow. Yeah. It's like, this is one of the ways that I help kind of back into that for people where it's too scary. Like, oh, I have this dream. I have this what? I have this why, but it's too big, right? It's too big. I can never have it. It's impossible. Yada, yada. One of the ways that I, I like to try to back into it is is just to ask, you know, what are the parts of you that are really big, really strong, really amazing? And especially the core people, and I'm sure you know this, they'll start listing off their strengths finder results or oh their Myers-Briggs or their whatever, whatever, right? I'm a DI. Here's my disc profile. Yes, exactly. Which I'm not saying doesn't have its place. But mm-hmm. when I'm asking you, what's in you? What's really... And when people start talking about it, sometimes, and I am not a therapist. So when I, when someone's really needs to go deep, I'm like therapy, right? I'm your coach therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but one of the things is cool. So how do you live that? And people and will always start. I really, I, I am using always here with purpose, always. 
end up telling me a story about when they got criticized for that wonderful thing that they are, that wonderful gift that they've been given. So I, I am not, um, I'm not a Christian. I go to the universalist church to have community because I believe that we are all connected. And for me, it's like, you are this once in a lifetime universe event. Mm, that's beautiful. And whatever a person, however they structure that with their belief system, I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, right? and, and yes. Exactly how, like I tell people that whether you call it universe, spirit, energy, source, whatever, whatever works for you, this is what I call it and how it speaks to me and my understanding of that same um, universal connectedness, especially as it pertains to um, organized religion for me, you know, yeah. in a sense. And so I tell people, whatever works for you. Yes. You do that. <laughs> because whatever that structure is, it created you with your wonderfulness. And if you are not sharing it, you, honestly, you're stealing. You're yeah. stealing. Why are yeah. you doing that? I had a mentor. Um, he, he and I had worked together for a few times, few, few, I don't know, we'd worked together a couple of times and I just had incredible respect for him and I didn't know his story. And, and then I got to really work with him directly and he just awed me, um, with his compassion and his get it done and his no bullshitting, but still managing the difficulties of being a black man in tech global tech, right? And when I would watch him engage, I'd be like, oh, magic. But of course it's not magic, right? It's it's a choice and it's a skill that he's developed over a long period of time. Well, I asked him at some point, I, I asked him for advice or I asked him for, for help or something. And he said to me, well, we'll find a role model. Like I can't be your role model because what you're looking to do is something I have no idea with. So, you know, cause I have kids, he doesn't have kids. I'm white. He's black, you know, all these things. And, and his career went into a different direction than mine. And I said to him, I don't know anybody there. I, I have racked my brain and I don't know anybody who has this background going into that place and I'm so alone and I, you know, play small and eh, insecurities and my imposter was showing up and I was inviting her in for dinner and coffee and tea and drinks afterwards and all kinds of stuff. And he said, well, then you'd be the role model for the people. What, honey? Then you got stuck with a whole bill. You invited her and she made you pay. <sighs> so true. And pay and pay and pay and pay. And his answer to me was, then you go be the role model for the person that needs you. You go be the role model for the person that needs you. Wow. He was also the person who brought me to the mat. (laughs) He brought me to the mat. And he said, because he put my name up to be his replacement when he left the company. And he's like, so what are you going to ask for? And I was like, yeah. And he said to me, Nicole, you are a white, straight, educated woman. If you do not negotiate, you're screwing yourself over. But you want to know it's more important? All the people behind you who have even less access, you're screwing them over too. So you better step up. And that is a story I tell my clients and myself and my friends and my children all yeah. the time about being brave. Be the role model someone else needs. And you better use the platform you have 
mm-hmm. to make a platform for somebody else. And it's a win-win. Mm. Mm. I'm all riled up. <laughs> I am all riled up. Wow. I mean, like, that's such a powerful, that's such a powerful story um, that you shared. And I know that we can, like, go into, like, a thousand gazillion stories. I don't know. We've already doubled. We done did two shows in one. Um, <laughs> can I ask you one question that I'm super, super curious about? Absolutely. I would love, so I hear about your impetus and your financial goal and your connection to other people and the, the whole shift that you talk about. Right. When do you feel most powerful, most brave, most, most impactful, however it is, most connected, most God-led, whatever that is for you? Like, when are you in that space? When I'm serving, when I'm helping other people see the brilliance of their I am. That's when that's my space. I could do that all day. And I love that. I love seeing the spark go off in the eyes. And I've done it my whole life and career um, for kids, whatever else. And that's my sweet spot. That's why I, what I enjoy is where I spent so much time building others, which is why right now I'm in a new season of sharing from the front instead of pushing from the back. And part of that is making the shift from being the wind beneath someone's wings to being the eagle to show them how to fly. And, um, but that's the space that I love. I absolutely um, get rejuvenated by asking, what do you need? How can I help you? Let's come up, let's find the answer. Let me help you find the answer, which goes to what your point said earlier is why when we stop doing certain things, it's because what we love to do, we get criticized for and we get shut down. And it was a lot of, I went through the role of me trying to help in different roles and positions. And even as a career, it was then thrown back in my face as a negative. And I was like, but I, all I said was, how could I help and support you? Um, but I had to come to terms and do the inner work that it wasn't anything wrong with me. My conscience was free and clear. It was the fact that they were seeing what they felt about their own inadequacy. And what I was doing, I used to do was to actually take on that going, okay, so not necessarily even play small, but I just withdrew and just said, I'm not. Okay. I'll let you, I'm not going to say anything unless you really ask me. And then it was, okay, I'm not going to say anything unless you ask me and then pay for it, you know? Yeah. And even came to the thing of, you know, when I was writing and I've always written and always shared and helped authors write, it was, who am I to help you? No one wants to hear what I have to say. Now I'm a paid speaker. I love speaking. I love doing workshops. You know, I love doing that stuff. And when I'm on the stage, it's gold. Hey, let's go. Let's go. You know? And, but in the beginning it was like, well, who wants to hear, do they really want to hear what I have to say? You know, and, and that, that heifer would be, well, because a lot of time when you were talking to so-and-so and they misconstrued your words. And one of the challenges 
that I had in growing up from where we grew up, et cetera. Um, and the way that my sisters and my family, it's just our dialect, our dialogue, and that I didn't have a speech impediment. However, my accent did not culturally fit oh, yeah. dynamic. And so, oh, you sound white. Oh, you sound too educated. Oh, you. so we would get that. But that's just how, I mean, it wasn't airs. It's just how we speak. And if you call my aunt and my uncle, and uh, this is just our, our dialogue. So I quieted my voice often. Okay. Unless, unless someone ticked me off and I was fighting for somebody else. I didn't fight for me, but I would fight for you. And so I had to then make another shift <laughs> in mm-hmm. this dynamic to say, I need to utilize my gifts. See, my gifts are for me. And maybe a year and a half ago, I started doing a lot of deeper work. And I realized that God gave me these gifts to use for me too. And so I started, now you're going to laugh at this one. I said, I want to start um, the selfish mommy movement. (laughs) Oh, yes. I'm in. Yes. Right. Like, no, I ain't going to go take an Uber. Oh, you're only five. So what? There's that little cart thing that they'll give you a discount. (laughs) I'm going to go have me time. And so I decided to learn to love me first so I can now serve from my overflow. So my sweet spot is literally in serving because every single thing that I do, I'm serving from overflow. I absolutely, absolutely make conscious decisions to serve people. There's a few things that I might not like doing. But I don't show up for things that I absolutely don't want to do, even if it's something that involves my child, which before your children, you do it anyway. Nope, not that either. Nope. Not in this household. No, no. And so I had to do that work. And I spent a lot of time doing inner work, inner self-mastery. And so, which has led to, like you said, like everything that I'm saying that I'm doing, people are asking me, oh, what is all of that? And they're going, when are you going to launch, you know, do your program? It's like, I didn't know how I wanted it to say, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know how I wanted it together until finally it sat with me. And not only was it the leadership movement, but the collective, but I realized that my program is truly the art and science of becoming. Because there's an artistry to it and there's a science to it. And it marries the beauty of both my high creativeness and my love of all things scientific and analytical. And I realized to tell people not just the how, but how to really paint that picture on your terms, mm-hmm. you know? And so it has, it has really been this great, you know, this great journey um, to do that. And for clarification, I don't actually really want a yacht. I just want a friend that has one that I have access to. But I do want that. Do, I do want the villa. But um, or even playing with the villa. So, but I, I used to say, I go to parties, and this was so super duper hilarious, right? I go, and people are like, oh, I want to be your friend. And I get that a lot. And again, this is nothing about ego. I'm just telling you, like, really, like, the yeah, truth. Yeah, it's and the I truth. And I would say, I only have two spaces in my friend closet. And you either have a jet or a yacht. 
If you have one of the other, then I have space in my friend closet. <laughs> if not, I'm happy to know you. And they would look at me. Like, yeah. Yeah, I am. I said, because I am networking up. <laughs> yeah. I said, mm, I want to network up. And I said to me, what friendship means to me, when you are my friend, that means we are family. That means if you drop your kids off at my door, all I'm going to do is let them in, feed them and know you'll come back eventually. I'm not concerned. So I told him that I have expectations for my friends. I have expectations. And if you, if I can't discern that you can meet those expectations, you cannot be a friend, but you can definitely be somebody that I know. Yes. Yes. You know, Yes. So, as a, I'm, uh, yes. Here's the thing, I'm breaking up and I tell people that even at social functions and they're like, so this one guy, he had the best comeback like ever, 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 ever. He said, you know, um, Dina, I really enjoy your presence. And because people feed off of my energy and it used to drain me a lot and I was so tired and I felt like, oh my God, I just felt worn out. And I realized with that energy drain, then I wasn't getting anything. <laughs> so you asked me, what yeah. am I getting out of I said, where's my return? So yes, I expect. It's not always financial or tangible, but I do have expectations. So the one guy came back to one night. I laughed so hard. He said, um, I don't have, and he lives in Marina. He goes, I don't have the boat, but my neighbor does. And it's at the Marina and we can use it whenever I want. Does that count? I said, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think that we are too, um, it takes bravery to admit yeah. that we do want something because, and growing up, if you wanted something for yourself, oftentimes you were told yourself, yep. You only yeah. to care about yourself. Yeah. Well, why is that wrong? You, here's the classic phrase. You want your cake and eat it to it. Well, hell, isn't it my cake? Shouldn't I want to eat the cake? I mean, like. Think about the stupid stuff that we've been feeding our psyche. You want your cake and eat it too. Uh, is it my cake? I mean, <laughs> I had never thought about that before because that was something that drove me crazy in Germany. In German, I'm like, you can't have it all. And I would want to say the cake thing, and they'd be like, but we go to the Konditor and we order different slices of cake, so we can have the cake and eat it too. And it's like, ah. <laughs> Okay, fine. You can have it all. You figured it out. <laughs> yeah, but the thing no, but that's a good point. You, yeah, you've made me think about that differently. And and how what how much of that is bed into our psyche? Even skipping rope songs. Skipping you know what? Mary, skipping rope. Mary Mac Mac Mac, all dressed in black. Oh, up. yeah. Down her back. You know what I mean? Or how many? I mean, like all the little songs and nursery rhymes. Our brain never turns off. We've been speaking this. So now we're wondering that now we're 29 plus tax and gratuity and we're dealing with all of these neuroses. Well, guess what? Other people and we have been speaking this to ourselves. So that's why I took health out loud and deal with her head on. That's why I became very conscious of my triggers. So now I know how to mitigate them. And all of these things have helped me walk through the glass. And all of these things have really um, birthed a sense of bravery to be my authentic self at all costs. Because I love me. And if you do, it's a bonus. 
It's a bonus. I loved when you said that. I stopped. I wrote it down. I was like, it is a bonus. Mm-hmm. It's a bonus. But that's just bravery to get there. And it wasn't overnight. So when I say this to everybody listening, if you've stayed here for like the last hour instead of our 30-minute show, um, I know. I was like, my goodness. I said, but 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 even in, in ending with this concept is that I had to learn to love me unconditionally before I can set the expectation and the understanding for anyone that I'm called to serve or part of my circle to do the same. Because we train people how to teach you. We teach them how to treat us. But guess what they're looking at? They're looking at how you treat you. Yes. 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 So I'll get stuff like, could you want to go? No. And they'll look at me like, are you going to say any more? No, I'm good. I, I know why I said no. I'm good. <laughs> no is and a full sentence. It's a full, complete sentence with zero explanation needed. Yep. You know, because people are like, well, but why did you say no? Oh, did you hear no? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I did. <laughs> and then they keep going, go, you can make it whatever excuse you want to, but I just said, no, I'm good. Yep. And I'm not going to. And so then, I, I mean, I can, you guys know that I'm really shy and I'm super. Really serious all the time and so um i remember someone kept asking me about stuff and so i just start talking about other stuff and i'm like oh my god did you see the new viking movie i would just start they would go but you said no i said oh my god did you not love fantasia the movie i mean i would just start talking about crazy stuff and they go that doesn't make sense i said neither does you keep asking me right after i already told you no get the point and then they go ooh, and that's where Mm. the (laughs) oh Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But they get the yes. point that they don't do. Yeah. They, they don't keep asking me anymore. Like I literally, so people, when I say no, they just move on. And so, and, and, and I, then I said, well, let me teach you a trick. So, okay, y'all, y'all stayed this long. I'm gonna give you a trick. So, um, my phrase that I use with people, cause whether I'm teaching organizations or teams, how to, how to speak and, you know, with clarity or with sales training, et cetera. My thing is that what if you ask people instead, instead of saying, why did you say no? Here's this one simple phrase. Y'all ready? Get your pens. Don't tweet this. Say, how can we get to yes? How can we get to yes? Now we're talking. Now you're engaging with me. And not trying to change my no. Yep. Collaboration. Yeah. And I just simply say, how can we? So when people tell me no, I say, okay, well, how can we get to yes? Beautiful. And, and that, that, I mean, that, so it's these diva hacks. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, I say them. They can be, you know, Don Juan hacks, whatever you want them called. <laughs> I, I, I started to do that. So when I start getting people to ask me, how, how do you, where do you come up with this stuff? And I said, it's all me just living my best life today. Today. A conscious choice today. So that's, so that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. All right, Nick, what do you, what do you have for everybody before we close out this 20 hour show we're gonna do america <laughs> we're gonna go like live on like social media and we're gonna just spend all day y'all can listen because i know it's interesting because i was interested <laughs> <laughs> that is the best barometer um yeah so um so what do i have so for my bravery um for building the skill of bravery because i 
deeply believe that the braver we are, the fuller our lives and our careers will be, and the more positive impact we will have on the world. Full stop. So I actually made a free three-part series for how to build your brave. And there's additional materials. And the way that you get it is you sign up on my website, um, tricksteinbach.com. I thought Nicole Trick Steinbach was gorgeous, but maybe a little too long. So tricksteinbach.com. And it's under Get Started. And um, a couple of hundred people have seen those videos, used those videos, and have found real value in them. So that is my offer because I also want to be of service and want to see us create the lives that we were born to have in the world as it was created to be and as we continue to create it to be something even better. I am also on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm starting to do live videos on Facebook because I know that it's helping people right now because they tell me and they ask questions. Um, It's helping them where they are right now. And then on LinkedIn, I'm active almost every day because I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's fun to get um, people who are a little bit too uptight to relax a little bit. <laughs> Chill. Oh, my God. Yes. And then, um, and then I'm on Clarity. So if someone wants to have a one-off change session, I won't do one-off co- coaching sessions because I cannot give my best, which is what every client deserves. I am on Clarity as well. So, yeah, I would love to hook up with more people and connect. This kind of thing is is genuinely going to change the world. Oh, I'm so like, I am so happy. I got to check out that whole clarity thing. And LinkedIn, I use a lot more time on LinkedIn. I'll go back. And I actually, with one of my other um, besties, we created a 10 minute talks for LinkedIn. It's called Boss Ladies Move. Oh. And <laughs> and so we put on, so if you look for boss ladies move on LinkedIn, you'll see our videos and actually got to drop the next one. And with that, we actually take the questions that we've been asking that we hear. And it's more kind of, again, how to walk through the glass stuff. So those questions, so we don't talk necessarily about only how to get to the C-suite office. We talk about, okay, you're now in the C-suite how are you trying to figure out how to make dinner for your family, make love to your husband, get your hair done and still make the diva's dinner with your girlfriends without losing your mind? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so we deal with, um, again, we answer the questions. And so we spend 10 minutes having a talk. And so we do include things on how to network appropriately, how to use certain strategies to build your tribe, how to find your tribe, how to really begin to get clear about who you are um, and what you do so that, you can walk through the glass without just being so cut up. Now, the, the key to that is these triggers that um, have, a, they're not going to go away, but you can learn to mitigate them and you can begin to own who you are and walk in your truth, which is why I love to leave you with this um, ending um, thought. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. I mean, thank you, Nicole, for just being, this is again, this was so fantastic. I knew it was going to be, but it was even more, even more than, even more than that. Um, and I know that there's so many takeaways and as people listen and replay and kind of dive back in that their opportunity to just really, in all sense and purposes, begin to find that, what is it? What's their be in bravery? How do their, what is their be in bravery? 
and the B, I mean, B-E, even though I know bravery spelled with other letters, how do they begin to kind of develop that other space? And I want everybody and the sound of my voice to know that you have the power and the authority to transform your situation. So get clear about what you really want, which will lead to you being confident about who you are called to be and allow you to stay consistent on how you are called to serve. So until next time on Walking Through Glass, the podcast, keep embracing the journey because we are all in this together. Bye, everybody. Real talk.